Hello, everyone, and welcome to Pucks on the Dasher, a hockey podcast. I am your host, Adam Glass. Uh, took a little week off. I've been kind of annoyed in past playoff years that I try to get shows in weekly and stuff's happening so fast that you can't stay up to date. Um, and there's usually not a lot of ancillary news, if you will, though there kind of is this week, um, to talk about during playoff time. Uh, so I thought I would just hopefully, well, okay. So it is currently Monday night. It is the Rangers and Devils are going to be facing off here shortly. Um, I was hoping that they would not have any games tomorrow and series would start on Wednesday and I could use tomorrow night as a perfect night with no games on to record the in-between podcast for round one and two, but I can't, couldn't, they didn't let me, though obviously I'm excited for one of the games tomorrow night, but we'll get to that later. Uh... So I thought, well, I'll just wait until first round ends, and then I'll throw one in there before round two as kind of a wrap-up of one and a preview of two. Fortunately, I can't 100% do that, but there's literally only one game seven left today, and then we will be on to round two. They're not doing overlapping games, thankfully, or rounds this year uh, like the NBA can do. I think the NHL did it one year, correct? Maybe in the bubble or something like that? I feel like, I don't know, I don't have anybody else here to ask that question out loud to, but I feel like it did happen once and that really annoyed me also. Uh, but yeah, so I think we'll probably, some really, well, actually news dropped today, um, just like news dropped after the last podcast, that is tied to the same organization. There was also another bit of news with this organization that came up recently, so I feel like we might as well start with a non-playoff team on a podcast where we talk probably should be talking about the playoffs um the draft soon they will be doing the draft lottery i think i don't know the you know what let's do the thing where you your google on the podcast nhl and we're gonna say out loud what i'm googling because people like that to draft lottery well date Click it Monday, May 8th. So that would be a week from today. And obviously that this season in particular is very significant. Uh, I might, I'm going to see if I can get Tyler or Sean potentially. Maybe we will have a show next week because of this moment. Um, because obviously there's going to be lots to talk about once we find out who Connor Bedard is going to. It says it's at 7, which means that they won't actually do the whole thing until, like, what, probably closer to 8? Um, interesting. So maybe a show next week. But if you don't hear from me next week, I'm waiting until round 2 ends. And I may be way happier, or I may be... I don't know what the ops. I don't think they can make me do the opposite anymore. I don't think that's possible. I feel like the the anxiety monkey with a certain team is now off my back, so that's kind of fun. Uh, but let's get to the news that happened. One bit of news. Uh, well, it's all tied in, like I said. Uh, Brad Tree Living will no longer be the GM of the Flames. That happened the day after. Or the day, I guess, the last episode came out. Uh, and then today, uh, they have also decided to fire Daryl Sutter when he had a two-year extension kicking in next year that apparently pays him $5 million a season. So he's getting a $10 million golden parachute to fuck off back to his farm. Uh, I feel like he would just get the news, nod, drive back to the farm, walk in, put the coveralls back on, nod to his wife, like the nod that, yeah, it happened, and then he would just go back out on the ranch and just collect his $10 million. <laughs> uh, oh, I wish I still had that. That's really unfortunate. I thought I was going to... I wonder if I can find it here quickly. Well, I'm going to... But 
I I feel like it was probably time for Trey Livin to take a walk, uh, but I also thought that given what happened in the offseason, that he actually did a very serviceable, if not commendable, if not good to great job of replacing the two irreplaceable players, um, like one of whom basically decided to become a superstar this year and Matthew Kachuk. Gaudreau, obviously, Goudreau, oh, Gaudreau, Goat. Johnny Hockey uh, obviously had not a great season, but still fine. And Columbus overall obviously wasn't that good. And he wasn't staying regardless. I don't think there was any way he was staying. So there was nothing you were really going to do about that one. Uh, could you have got, could, I don't, yeah. But anyways, the Uyghur, Huberto, then bring Kadri in. Obviously, it did not work out in any way. Um, I'm I'm assuming it seems like Nazem Kadri definitely did not get along with Daryl Sutter. Which, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I probably get that part of it, that's for sure. Um, but, like, they're, okay, Sutter, this is Sutter's overall record for his most recent stint in Calgary. 102, 63, and 28. Like, if you're posting that over two seasons, even this year, their record this year, uh, they basically had, oh man, now I got it. This is not a good article to quickly scroll through with my eyes for like one statistic. They were 37, 28, and 17 this year. <laughs> they missed the playoffs and he essentially lost his job because Kadri lost what 40 points Huberto lost 60 which is crazy Mangiapane I think lost like 15 to 20 goals everybody basically had a down year offensively and they still barely missed the playoffs and they had 17 overtime or shootout losses you only needed to flip a couple of those games by scoring goals like even shootout like that's like He's so like overall, he's you could look at just just the record. You look at just the record, and you're like, this I, he's a good coach. He's he's obviously a good coach. He just has a style that maybe maybe his style has finally passed maybe it's past time for his style. I don't I don't know if he wants another job. I don't know if he would get another job. I don't necessarily. The more GMs turn over to newer GMs. See, it's hard to say with some of the former players, right? The former players that actually maybe played for him. Like I could see one of them maybe bringing him in. I don't know. Uh, But I just. I'd be interested to see what happens if he got another job, I guess. If he would even take it, like, are, are you, <clears throat> are you a team that's looking to pay him five million dollars to coach for you? Like, I feel like there's got to be at least more progressive options out there, and I don't mean that like politically or socially. I mean like the way you think the game and the way you deal with players, probably more specifically. Um, I, I. I heard that's part of the reason that Trey Living left was because he basically said, I need to get rid of Sutter. And they were like, no, we're not sure. I don't. And then he left. And then Don Maloney sat in on. Oh, speaking of which, Don Maloney. Look up a picture of Don Maloney. If you can right now, that would be ideal. Look up a picture of Don Maloney and check out the salad on that guy. Because it. It's a color of hair that I feel like shouldn't exist. It's just, it's something. It's something. I think you should look it up. Anyways, so Maloney did sat in on all the player exit interviews. He sat in on the interview. He interviewed, you know, the staff, all that kind of stuff. I'm sure he sat with Sutter. Um, and basically was like, nah, fam. I'm sure he basically had to came to the conclusion that if we want to keep Sutter, we have to trade 
all our good players. <laughs> or at least two of them. Um, and two that you really want, probably. Or we have to move on from him. So they decided, obviously, to move on from him, pay him his $10 million. And that... So this is maybe a good segue into the other bit of Calgary news. And then maybe we'll talk about where they should go with coaches. Though I'm not like a coach guru or anything. They basically... I, I didn't look into it too far, but essentially it seems like they are finally going to be starting to figure out a new arena situation at the old stampede. This is obviously big for the flames. Um, if they, this does go through and they get the new arena, then any potential worry about them moving is obviously not happening anymore. Uh, I've been to the saddle dome. It, it's very quaint. Uh, it, it basically kind of feels like going to an OHL game, uh, in a way, if you know the, the rink, the OHL style rinks, like it's just very old school. It's got weird sight lines. Um, I mean, it, it is a big saddle, you know, it is a big saddle. You would assume when they build a new one, they're going to somehow incorporate some sort of cowboy theme to it, I guess. Um, I feel like if you, the building is in mass, like red, that's a missed opportunity. Um, I think it's weird that may, I, here's a thought. <laughs> I think every fucking D I know some teams split. So that's a weird thing. I get it. I get it. Two teams in there. It's harder to do. Calgary is really only going to be the major. They're the only they're basically going to be the major tenant. You're not having another... You're not getting another hockey team for sure. You're not getting a basketball team in there. You're not getting anything major that you're going to have to worry about. Should be red. All the stadiums should be the color of the team. Why is that hard? I know they share. It's fine. Figure it out. Do lights or something. Like when you go to Scotiabank Arena, you should see... Blue and white everywhere, not red. <laughs> like, that's the weird thing about having sponsored buildings is like, take some of the allure. Like, it was called Maple Leaf Gardens, you know? It was called, what did they call? Oh, see, now I can't remember any. Boston Gardens, right? The Montreal Forum. Uh, which also, that was the LA Forum, was where the. I think the Kings played there at some point. Um, I can't think of the Blackhawks one for some reason. And I should... Oh, yeah, Joe Louis Arena. Though that's, I guess, named after a guy. Anyways, that's a dumb talk. We're really rambling here. Okay, back around. Who else? I don't know. You need a win now, coach. You're going to get a veteran, I'm assuming... I don't think they necessarily have one anybody in the minors that they're crazy about, though they do have one of the best. Who does coach the? Who does coach the AHL? Uh, Calgary affiliate. Are they really? No. What? Legit? Adam coming to the realization that there is a team called the Calgary Wranglers. <laughs> I would not. Dryden Hunt is on this team. Radim Zahorna, formerly of the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, for a hot minute. Connor Zari, Jacob Pelche, obviously. Colton Poolman. Ooh, look at that. Uh, Christian Rubens. Oh, that's where you are. He was a Marley. That's why I know him. Uh, Simone LeBay. Goalies. Dustin Wolf, obviously. Oh, Oscar Dance is down there. Or played at least a few games or something. Okay, here we go. That's what I wanted. Mitch Love. <laughs> Mitch Love is the coach. Interesting. Joe Sorella and... Don Nackbauer are the assistants. 
What's Mitch? Let's okay. This is not. This is just a really weird. This is Adam being on a podcast by himself. Whoa! This guy's got a. Okay, he played in the NHL. Apparently, that's not something. Oh, never mind. He did not play in the NHL. Looks like he might have been drafted. Nope. He played in the A and the C and the ECHL, but he mostly played in the AHL and kind of bounced around. Is he? Oh, okay. He probably punched people. He has like 184 penalty minutes, 69 games, 213 penalty minutes, 59 games. Yeah, even in even in junior, he would put up like his his career high in goals is 12 in 70 games, but he had 163 pims. So 21 playoff. So a guy named Mitch Love, always. Oh, I don't know much about him, but he. He was a co- player at some point. Anyways, maybe that's a team for Lavi. I don't know. That feels like a weird... Like, Boudreaux, I feel like, would be fun, but that's probably not happening. But you're obviously looking for a coach that... Well, you're going to hire a GM first, so I guess we'll have to see where they go with that. Are they going to do the president thing and then have that guy bring in the GM and then that guy bring in the coach and then... I mean, they're just they're giving five sheets times two to Sutter right now. So how much money are they willing to spend on their front office plus their coach? That's the that's the thing right now. Now maybe this new arena deal gives them a little more, you know, onus to fork the money out just because I don't know. But you, this is a team that's not like they're not loaded with prospects. They're clearly not going to tank. So they just got to go for it. And that means you're either adding or you're trying to get better. You're trading to get better. You obviously want to bring in a coach and GM that share that mentality. Dear Lord, do not hire Brian Burke. Oh my God. Oh geez. Oh no. Oh no. Oh no. They wouldn't, right? Who would he bring in as coach? Babcock. <laughs> uh, yeah, is this where one of the guys comes out of the weeds now? Is this Babcock coming back? Is this Quinville getting to come back? I'm actually really interested to see who they hire here. Mostly as a GM, not so much as a coach. Because the GM will probably dictate to me who the coach is going to be. Or at least give me an idea of what kind of coach they will hire, if you will. Okay. I did the thing where I forgot to write down uh, what time I started, but I'm pretty sure I started right before the puck. Okay. I got it. No, the Rangers. Yep. Okay. Playoffs happened. Playoffs have happened. The first round is almost over. It is finishing behind me currently um though i have the (laughs) blue jays game on because i forgot to switch before i sat down to record and i'm not close to my remote so no updates on the game while i'm recording though you'll already know the result when you hear this so that's really pointless anyways okay round one uh this is ordered in a way that i mostly like so i'm going to go through it in this way uh So we're going to start with the Kings-Oilers series. Oilers win in six games. Uh, Last year, rematch from last year, I mean. Uh, Last year went to seven games. Uh, The Kings notably won the first game. However, it was in OT. Uh, They actually won two games in OT, and the Oilers won one in OT. Lots of goals in this series. Um, There was not a goal where... (laughs) You're going over basically every game, except for one, it looks like. So I'm assuming the over would probably be five and a half. So there was only one game that wouldn't have hit the over. Even game six was 5-4. The Kings wouldn't go away, but the Oilers just had too much. For once, finally, 
the Oilers have some depth. And not only do they have depth up front, but they have some depth on the back end and not just random guys that they can put in there. Uh, they actually have legitimate players back there. Like the, the echo mat has been huge for them because not only did it give them another legit top pairing defenseman or at least top four defenseman, it totally changed Bouchard's game. He finally looks like the player he's supposed to be. That's huge for them. And then you got your bottom six coming up. You got Bucet getting a few goals. Clem Costin threw in a, a few goals here and there. They basically what I, w- I want to talk more about the Kings, to be honest, because I think everybody kind of knows what's going on with the Oilers, what they are. They're obviously this now, given how the rest of the playoffs have fallen, I would assume they're one of the favorites now for sure uh, to potentially win the cup this year um, or at least go far. They have two of the best players in all of hockey and dry settles not playing on one leg this year. Uh, that was obviously the difference in that series. Uh, Deneau did his Deneau thing against McDavid for the most part, um, but it was Drysaddle who just ate Kopitar alive, essentially. Um, and I mean, that's part of the reason why I want to talk kind of about Los Angeles. But it's I kind of want to more talk about the series and the games, but everybody, like, I didn't watch every game or anything like that. So I, I to me, it's more the macro than the micro. I mean, I have a few notes for some other series, but I don't even know if I'll get into that because some of that stuff, I was kind of like writing some stuff down as I was watching games and stuff like that. But most of the stuff I wrote down feels so irrelevant now uh, because the bigger picture stuff is usually what I like to talk about anyways. And I like to talk about where you're going. Like, what's the blueprint? Like, that's my big thing when I complain about a GM or something like that. It's like, what I, I don't understand where you're going like I can't see what this move sets up or what it shows me or are you moving in the right direction or okay so you're doing this are you doing that are you doing this or are you doing why are you doing another one of these it didn't work the first time you know that kind of stuff so the Kings to me are more interesting than the Oilers because the Oilers are the Oilers right now Um, I don't necessarily think they have it seems like they have a good coach now or at least a coach that'll that seems to be working. So that's good. I don't necessarily 100% love the GM, but it is what it is. He obviously made some solid moves at the deadline. Like Bukesad had some big goals. Um, the Campbell signing obviously has not worked out at all. He did come in and help, you know, steady the fort to let them win that one game. Uh, but then smartly, which to me that was that was one of the difference makers for me on the outside when I saw them put Campbell in them win that game. And then they still go back to Skinner the next game. To me, that was the tipping point in the whole series, because I feel like if he, if Woodcroft would have went to Campbell because he came on late and then helped them win to me, that was the series. Cause then I think the Kings are probably winning the next game. And now you've, got to go back to Skinner potentially but now he's had a game off and you pulled him and benched him and now you're throwing him in against a team that maybe has a little bit of confidence and swagger and for the most part at least the big the big names are well Fiala is not but like the the horses that are helping you along there are veterans like they're not necessarily worried about game to game stuff So overall, I watched some of the games for this series, obviously, because I wanted to watch the Oilers, and the problem is some of the games are late, and I basically usually watch part of the first period and then fall asleep. Um, but what I watched, it was always fairly exciting. Uh, so who are the Oilers going to face when they move on? Well, they're going to face the winner of the Knights and Jets. And that was a 4-1 to win by the Golden Knights. Uh, kind of a whimper of a playoff, if you will, for the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, obviously, if you saw the Rick Bonus press conference after the series ended, where he basically called out his whole dressing room, and then the dressing room said, well, I wish you would have said that behind closed doors. And it's like, well, 
I mean, he's been around for a while, like a, a like the longest basically at this point. And I feel like he would know that and maybe he has said it behind closed doors and he still saw the same result. Like there was the game one in Vegas where Winnipeg whooped him 5-1. Then Vegas came back and smoked him 5-2 in game two. Uh, that mirrored some other series. So that's not necessarily surprising. Then you have the epic Winnipeg comeback, which led to the double overtime loss, which basically ended the series right there. I think if I think if Winnipeg can go up two one there, I think they maybe still have a shot. But that one was it, because then it's then the Knights win in Winnipeg, and then they get to go home and win again. Uh, and they win four one in the deciding game five. But at that point, like. Half that Winnipeg. Speaking of another team. Oh, I didn't even get there with the Kings. Oh, man. Okay. Man. Do I want to double? No, wait, let's not. Whatever. Kings are the Kings. I'm interested to see what they do this summer. That's all I'll say. Because they definitely need a goalie. I mean, yeah, we didn't talk about the trades... Oh, man. I skipped through that series too fast. I didn't talk about the Kings ads. Well, we're doing it now, so that's even more awkward. Let's keep with what we're talking about. So basically, Winnipeg lost a double overtime game and said, fuck it, we're out. They obviously lost Morrissey, Shifley. Ehlers, I don't think, was even close to 100%. Vegas is already a better team. And then you take away like, you know, two or three of your best players. That's, you're not, it's not happening. It's just not. Now Vegas gets to win. Now Eichel is now in the second round for the first time after being in the first round for the first time. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, they're obviously going to be playing the Oilers which for me personally is the second series that I'm super duper interested in. Uh, I think those games are going to be unreal. I, how would I tee that series up? Cause I want to kind of do, I do these and then I'll tee up the, this is a better way of doing it. And then if I have time, maybe I'll loop back around after I'm getting through all the series and, and talk about kind of where the teams are going. But Vegas, Edmonton, okay, let's forward group. I think Vegas has more depth, though they've lost a bunch of it over the years. Um, but I still think that they, I still think they got some guys down there that can, they can help out more so than Edmonton. Defense to me, it's not even remote. Like, I think Petrangelo and Shea Theodore already both better than anything on Edmonton. Uh, Alec Martinez is still pretty good. You got Nick Hag back there. Like you, they have a decent, I think the defense is better on Vegas. So that's two things. You obviously have the McDavid thing, but to me, you can't talk about that because it's depth. I know McDavid and Drysaddle alone could, but Mark Stone's going to ideally, I would assume cancel one of those guys out or at least, try to 50-50 them or at least slow them down. That's, to me, they went from Deno to Stone. Like, that sucks. <laughs> that's tough, man. Like, you're really battling. You're, that's, you're relying a lot on your depth here. That's why I'm saying that. And I think Vegas also can generate a lot more from its back end, too. I know Bouchard's having a pretty decent playoff, but other than, like, Nurse will maybe score you some goals here or there, but they don't have as much firepower on the back end as Vegas either. Goaltending. I mean, Vegas is starting Larry Brossois, which is, they have Laner, they have Logan Thompson. I know those guys can't play right now, but this is the question mark for me, but for both teams, like I don't have really necessarily given how the first round went, you obviously have to give the edge to Brassois here uh, because the 
Oilers or the Kings definitely scored a bunch of goals on both Skinner and Campbell. Well, more so Skinner, I guess. So you want to give the edge to the Golden Knights and to Boisois? I would say depth-wise, if if a team, like if he struggles and they got to throw somebody in net, like I like their, well, who's coming in more than Edmonton. So I guess depth-wise, I guess you got to give Vegas the edge there. Like to me, this is going to be a tough series for Edmonton to win. Uh, tough series. Like tough. And everybody talked about how the East was just going to be a complete slobber knocker to get through. Uh, and uh, yeah, we'll get there. But it's interesting looking at now how the West is shaping up. I'm like, I know one big team fell, but the team that replaced them, like they, they might be built for this time of year. I don't know. We'll see. Okay. So that's the Jets and Golden Knights. That's the Oilers and Kings. And that is also the Oilers and Golden Knights. So let's move on to our next pair here. First up in the first round, we have the Dallas Stars winning in six games over the Minnesota Wild. Uh, notable notes from this playoff series, Joel Erickson Act decided he would try to play on a broken fibula, and surprisingly, that didn't go well. Um, interesting how that didn't work. Uh, Minnesota won game one in over, double overtime. Then Dallas won 7-3, then Minnesota 5-1, and then Dallas kind of takes over the series at that point. Kaprizov did not, Kaprizov, Kaprizov, <laughs> did not have a great series. Uh, Zuccarello may or may not have been hurt. Boldy struggled a lot. The Wild don't have a lot of depth to begin with, um, but... You, yeah, I, I don't think they're that good. They had an unreal season from Philip Gustafson. Then he won in game one and they decided to go back to flurry. Uh, like they had been in the season and that's the seven, three Dallas win. Like if you're a wild fan, other than complaining about penalties Felino got, That's probably your turning point right there in your head is if they put Gustafson in there, maybe they're up 2-0 and it's a completely different series and maybe you're right. I mean, that's totally a possibility. I thought it was absolutely hilarious that they were putting Flurry in for that game and I pretty much, if I was a betting man, I would have bet a lot of money on Dallas winning in the over that game. Uh, now Flurry's talking about coming back, which is potentially, I mean... They might have found something in Gustus in here. So, and I know he's RFA. So they better sign him, and then I don't know, bring Flurry back for a retirement year, I guess. But the, they got to add depth, and they have no cap space. Um, and they're getting a bunch of guys that are going up in value. Like Boldy's getting a new, like Boldy's going to be worth more money. They are losing Dumba, I'm assuming. But the, anything they're at, they're bargain hunting, like unless they're making a big trade. And if they're trading for anybody good, they have to move out money when they do that. And who are they moving out? Like teams in a weird spot, really weird spot. Boldy obviously had struggled in the playoffs, but had a really good regular season. You would assume he'd be going to be okay. But like, what is a Marco Rossi? Is Kale Addison actually going to be a player? Like he was constantly scratched in and out of the lineup. Barely playing minutes. Is Dean Evison even the coach you want to go forward with? Um, I I think he'll be on a short lease ne leash next year, I would think. Because um, I'm assuming they they want to win. Like, you're only going to get Kirill at peak performance for so many years. And if you legitimately found a goalie now, then that's another big piece for you. They could definitely use some defensemen. I'm assuming they're not going to re-sign Klingberg either, but I don't... Yeah, I don't know. Anyways, 
Uh, Dallas is like kind of the trendy uh, Stanley Cup favorite pick. I, I mean, they have all the. They're sneaky good. They have sneaky good depth, and they also have some really good prospects coming up still. Like the stars could potentially be a legitimate like wagon here for the next like five to seven years. Robertson's not old. Obviously Pavelski's going to be moving on at some point, but like Robertson's not that old. Rupe Hintz isn't super old. They have Wild Johnston on the team now. Uh, Heiskanen is still pretty young. They got Ottinger, obviously. He's super young. They got Stan Coben coming up. They got a bunch of guys on the pipeline that are probably going to be, if not difference makers, than NHL players. But like Jefferson Robertson alone, like you can build around that guy. Him, Ottinger, and Heiskanen, boom. That one, two, three, done. You get, you get a lot of checks there. You just need like an elite winger ideally um but like you are the winger i guess you are the elite winger if you're robertson but hints is your set yeah i mean they're really good they're really good like that's what i mean the west so so now the three teams through as of this me talking this through are the oilers knights and stars and i could legitimately see any of those teams making a stanley cup final like legitimately, I'd be like, even before the playoffs started, I would have been like, yeah, okay, yep, no, that makes sense. I see that. So who are the stars going to play? Well, not who they thought, probably. <laughs> so in seven games, the Seattle Kraken uh, defeated uh, Kale McCarr, uh, Miko Rantanen, and Nathan McKinnon. Um Oh, and Devon Taves, I guess I'll say, uh, in in seven games. Um, Landis Gog obviously was finally announced that he was not going to be playing in the playoffs at all. That's a big blow. Uh, the Nichushkin situation, where he basically just left the team. They didn't say anything about it. Then a report came out that, yeah, you can look into it. Nothing's been confirmed or said or anything yet, but... It doesn't seem good for him. Seems kind of bad, potentially. Um, so they lost two huge pieces of their lineup. It was basically their, like, they did not have the depth this year. They just didn't, they didn't have anybody else. They had McCarr, they had McKinnon, they had Rantanen. And that was like, that was kind of it. Like when those guys, one of those guys weren't on the ice, nothing was happening. And the one thing that Seattle's built on, like this is basically the tenant of the fucking team. This is what Ronnie Francis is putting together here is depth, like depth, depth, depth. Like they have a 20 goal score on their fourth line in Daniel Sprong. They have Eli Tolvin and shipping goals down there. They have guys that the abs like Tolvin or Sprong probably would have been playing in the top six in if they were on the friggin' avalanche. That's how that's how crazy things were over there. If not top nine. Like they would be significant players on that team. The Kraken are sneaky good, but you're you're not gonna get there's no way I there's no way Grubauer goes like nine thirty for another playoff series. He got his revenge series. It's fine. The Avalanche were probably sitting there being like, dude, what the fuck? We probably could have won a cup with you. If you bothered to do this for us in the playoffs. Uh, cool story for Seattle. I did see a tweet going around. Uh, something about like every... No, that doesn't make sense. Anyways, I forget what it was. Something about Seattle teams and making the playoffs. The first time they make the playoffs, they went around. Um, yeah, like, that's what it was. Every Seattle sports team, like the Supersonics, the Mariners, uh, the Kraken, and the Seahawks, every the first time they, any of those teams made the playoffs, they won one round. 
So that's kind of cool. Notably, the Kraken started last year and were notably awful. Uh, I didn't... I basically watched none of this game. Uh, they usually play it after the Leafs games and... Well, no, the Oilers would usually play it. Yeah, it was just never... It just did not work out. <laughs> I was usually only staying up to watch Oilers and Kings games, or at least part of them. Uh, same with the Stars and Wild. Like I saw pieces of that series, but for the most part, not really any of it. Um, so the Kraken move on. Uh, no superstars, tons of depth. Uh, decent, like Grubauer, obviously, if he's playing like that, that's going to help you. But if he's not, you're turning to Martin Jones. And then, I mean, I think the Kraken and Stars series will be fun. I mean, I definitely think it'll be fun. But I, th to me, that's Dallas's series to lose, if you will. I mean, it would be really neat to see the Kraken make the West Final, I guess. That'd probably be good for the NHL and sales and stuff. Because um, that seems like a really hot market. And I mean, Seattle doesn't get many winners the Mariners have literally never won a World Series um, or even been in it maybe maybe they've been in it they've definitely never won it uh, the Seahawks have won a Super Bowl I'm pretty sure the Supersonics notably did not <laughs> win an NBA championship I think Ooh, I don't know about that I know this is a hockey podcast but and I know this is a weird time to do it because we haven't even got to the East yet. Um, yeah, let's not. I was going to look up if the Supersonics ever won an NBA title. I honestly don't know. My basketball knowledge is completely out of my brain now. If I ever had it to begin with. Anyways, so Seattle-Dallas. Uh, like I said, probably Dallas is series to lose here. Um, and then they will face the winner of Vegas-Edmonton, which means to me the West is the true gauntlet this year. Uh, but over in the East, I I guess I'm going to quickly touch on the Devils Rangers series um, because it's currently going on right now. I guess I'll do a quick score check here just for funsies. Uh, it is currently 0 0 in the first, almost through the first year. Uh, so I will obviously be turning that game on as soon as I'm done the podcast. Uh, looking forward to some game seven. But notably, Rangers smoked them first two games, and then the Devils were like, nah. Then they won three straight, and then the Rangers had a big game again. Um, fun series. Super fun series. I would watch 14 games between these two teams. Um, all the pressure's on the Rangers here, because they made all those ads at the deadline. Obviously, the Devils picked up Timo Meyer, who notably has zero points. All the analytics are like, hey, hmm. All generating. It's all fine. It's going to come. It's going to come in waves. I mean, if he's going to get a point, you would hope it would be tonight. Um, the goalie duel of the series did not end up being Shesterkin and Vanshek or even Mackenzie Blackwood, who hasn't even seen the ice. <laughs> uh, the devil said fuck it and brought in Akira Schmid, um, who had a huge year down in the AHL, and he pretty much brought the Devils back from the dead uh, and won three straight games. He is now the starter for this team. I think that's kind of cool. Um, I think he might actually be their goalie now. Maybe he's 22. This is a young team with a young core. You probably want a guy, like, I know obviously you signed Vanacek, but so many goalies have plat like platoons right now. If you you got to get rid of that Blackwood contract, bring in Schmid on his entry level, and you can have him and Vanacek just split starts, and then you're fine. That's totally cool. Anyways, it doesn't matter now because they're still playing. I It's weird to call a Game 7 winner while the game's happening right now, and by the time you listen to this podcast, it will be over, so I'm not going to. Um, I'm happy with either team moving on. You know, whatever. And who are they going to play? They are going to play the Carolina Hurricanes, who in six games uh, walked all over the New York Islanders. 
there was one five one Islanders win in there, um, but other than that, a depleted Carolina Hurricanes managed to dispatch in six games the Islanders. Uh, Sorokin was pretty meh, um, honestly. Like the last goal that put them out wasn't great, um, but once again, like just trouble scoring for the Islanders. Same old story. You know what I mean? Bo Horvath had a terrible playoff. Barzal was meh. Like, it was honestly some of their depth or guys that was chipping in with goals, but that's very Islanders also. Um, they had probably had a shot in the series, honestly. Like, Carolina was, you know, they had so many injuries, uh, guys going down left and right. They're still a really good team. Obviously, they still have some good players over there. They, they started Ronta and then turned to Anderson. Um, which is, I guess, you gotta, gotta play goalie. So, how do I feel about Carolina now? Well, they're going to be playing the winner of the Devils and Rangers, and I don't care who wins that series. I, I would probably have them as a favorite over Carolina with their current injury situation. I think if full health, it's a coin flip. Um, but with I think whoever wins this game seven in that Devils Rangers series is going to have a little kick in their step that doesn't look like they're giving any breaks here. So this series is going to start on Wednesday. So they're going to get a day off after maybe a huge game seven victory and be able to walk right onto a team that hasn't played in a few days. I think that'll be a nice leg up for the Devils or Rangers. Um, that's also going to be a good series regardless of who wins because um, there's some loud barns in some of those buildings. I'll be interested to see, actually, and it will be nice to see <laughs> if the Devils move on, what their barn looks like without half Rangers fans in it. <laughs> That'll be interesting. So that'd be nice to them. Okay, two series left, and then we're wrapping this pot up so I can watch a game seven. And you obviously know which ones we're leaving to last. So it was 3-1. The best regular season team of all time in the NHL was dispatched in seven games after being up three to one by Matthew Kachuk and the Florida Panthers. Or if you want to like say it really shadily or with disrespect to the Bruins, Paul Maurice, Sergei Bobrovsky and the Florida Panthers. This is, this is crazy. This is literally like I hate the Bru like I ha obviously hate the Bruins and I watched game 7 yesterday. Obviously I watched game 7 especially after Saturday. Are you kidding me? Uh definitely watched that game and the Panthers would just not fucking go away. like not fucking go away. And when Pasternak scored that third goal to put them up 3-2 and he that was a classic I was like, "Oh, it's over. It's done." And then they tie the fucking game up and then overtime came and it was just The Bruins basically puked all over themselves. I watched that over time. The Panthers could have won that game eight times before they finally won it. It was crazy. They were all over. Like, the Bruins' heads were spinning. Like, their cat's heads were... The fucking cat's heads were falling off. They had no idea what was going on. No idea. It was crazy. You'd see this apparently supposedly veteran team that's been through everything and nothing rattles them and... They were completely flabbergasted with that Panthers team. Like, they had no fucking idea. No fucking idea. So, Bergeron playing with a herniated disc, not smart. Not going to be very effective, probably. Krejci was in and out of the lineup. The big weak point of the Bruins, and the one thing they did not address at the deadline, was the center. I mean, Zaka can't be a first-line center in the playoffs to win you around. That's not happening. Taylor Hall had a huge series. Still can't get past the first round. Uh, on one of the best teams he's ever been on. He even said, like, before the playoffs, this is my best shot at a Stanley Cup I've ever had. And he was totally right. Just, like, just crazy. Like, the Panthers were just not. Like, they're a wagon of an offense. I think... Boston made a huge, like, the Wild Series, I chided them for keeping the rotation. This is one where they should have kept it. Allmark hadn't played 
back-to-back games basically all season. And all of a sudden in the playoffs, you're like, oh yeah, you're going against the... And this is the other thing. You're going against the Panthers. Like, not only have you not really played back-to-back games or at least know how that feels all season, you're going to have Matthew Chuck fucking with your shit for two straight games. And then three straight games. And like... Being a goaltender already is not easy, and then he's just in your kitchen all the time, and now he's distracting you. Like it's that was a weirdest. And then they go to Swayman all the way in Game Seven, and then he feels like it's his fault. And it's like, buddy, no, they should have had you in Game Two, and three or four, and you know what I mean, six. It should have been one three five two four six or one three five one three five seven two four six. Unless one of them was hurt, and then you roll it. Just, and then obviously it's Bergeron's last game, so he's like doing the thing where he says bye to every player as they're coming off the ice, and then him and Marchand are basically balling into each other, and it was, you know what, it was kind of (laughs) nice. And I don't mean that in a very heartfelt, that was nice to see. Those guys defeated. <laughs> Fuck that team. Come on, honestly. You're the biggest woulda, coulda, shoulda team of the whole. That core is nothing. They got one cup ring. One. One cup ring. That's it. You got one. You got one ring. We don't talk about one ring. You don't talk about one ringers. Who cares? Who cares? Who cares? You're the last core on that Boston team had multiple rings. Esposito and Ora had two. You guys had one. One. You got one ring. One. And you blew multiple finals. You blew multiple shots at winning another one. They talked about like some crazy good lock it down veteran. You'll never beat them. Big boogie. And they, they won one fucking cup. One. One. Who cares? You got to win multis. Multis. And then the guys, I don't care. One's nice. It's great. Especially if you're beating a drought or something like that. You know what I mean? Like when the Rangers have basically one cup in a hundred (laughs) years. But that one cup was huge. That was a good one. That's one of the most memorable one cups in all of the NHL. All of the NHL. That's probably the most memorable one cup. Honestly. But like Lemieux, Maltese. Gretzky, obviously, multi. Messier won multi-teams. The Avalanche won two. The Devils won multis. The Red Wings. If you're a good defining team of an era, multis. Multis. You got to have at least two. You got to have at least two. You know what I mean? We don't really talk about the Wonners. We don't really talk about, you know, that single Tampa Bay core. Oh, great. You know, you just happened to get her. That Carolina team. Who cares? Just one. You got to have two. You know, Crosby won three. Two back to back. Right? Obi's got one. It's not going to matter, honestly. It's great for him. And it's the first cup in Capitals history. That's a big deal. But like at the end of the day, like that core is not going to be thought of as it's that's Ovi's cup, right? Like that's Ovi's cup, and it's going to be Ovi's record. That might as well be called the Ovi year. That's not a that's not a core like this Bruins core was talked about like some freaking unreal thing. Over, it's over. You're done. Go home. You got one. You got one. You got one. Speaking of finally got one. All right, let's do it. And then we'll wrap this shit up. In the first round, in six games, the Toronto Maple Leafs defeated the Tampa Bay Lightning. I feel like I should be doing like 20 minutes on this. You know, like a whole podcast on it even. I was, if Sean was here, I'm sure we could do a whole podcast on it because he'd be just, putting quarters in me all day but I don't know if 
so I don't even really want need to talk about the series because anybody that's probably listening to this podcast, that's probably the only series they did actually pay attention to. Um, a lot of the narratives are out there. It's been over talked about. I actually want to talk about this as a fan of the team, fan of the Toronto Maple Leafs, if you will. Um, I was talking to somebody at work today who's younger than me. And I've talked to a few other Leafs fans since the Saturday game. And the general feeling I'm getting mostly is shock. It's a feeling of shock. Like we don't quite believe what happened. Like the one thing that we always wanted to happen finally happened. The thing that they said they didn't do every year. The big boys didn't come out to play. The big guns didn't step up when it mattered. You know, all that shit. It was all not true this year. They won game. They had no... Honestly, given how the games played out, they had no business even winning that series, if I'm being honest. Tampa Bay was the better team in almost every single game. Like, Samsonov had an unreal series. He did the one thing that no goalie in this entire run current run of the Matthews Marner era had done and he made big saves at key moments you know just when Tampa was fighting back or could tie it or whatever for the most part he would make big like he made some unreal saves and I still don't believe that puck was in by the way I don't remember what game that was now <laughs> there's that one where it was barely over the line and it was game one I still don't think that was in but whatever Matthews was huge. Marner currently leads the NHL, I think, in assists in the playoffs. Morgan Riley, that is probably the best six games I have seen him play in a Leafs uniform, potentially. Luke Shen being stapled. Like, Luke Shen. Luke fucking Shen? Luke fucking Shen was their best defenseman analytically? I, I was... Literally making jokes about him being the like when they traded for him, that was the one thing that I was like, fuck. I was like, he's obviously starting in the playoffs, which means that Lilligren's sitting. Because I knew they were gonna start Hall, which is a whole other thing. Thank God they fucking moved him. Oh my god. I haven't really defended him. I've like jokingly defended him over the years. Because I know how hard it is to find right D. But holy fuck, I don't want to see him on the ice again. He was literally eaten alive by Tampa Bay. Like, eaten the fuck alive. Holy shit. And I thought they would have to shelter Riley and Shen. And they, if anything, they, they were playing Shen like over 20 minutes a night. But here's the thing. And that's why Morgan Riley looks so good. It's because the last time I remember seeing Morgan Riley like this, his partner was Ron Hainsey. Like a 38-year-old Ron Hainsey. Shen's like 32. If he can hold up for two or three more years and he'll sign for nothing, which he probably will in Toronto, I would assume, this could be a big deal. If you could unlock that Morgan Riley for a couple more years, whoo, whoo, you're cooking. You're cooking. Like this might be a game changer for this team right now. Well, it is. Like Matthews and Marner, Matthews and Marner, Tavares, I thought, is fun. he scored okay. He had a hat trick, obviously, in one game. Scored the huge overtime winner in game six. I'm not going to disparage him. You know what? Fuck it. He scored a bunch of five on five goals, which is the one thing I was worried about. He's he's the, I mean, he's the captain, and he scored the overtime winner to take them. So that's, he he did what he needed to do. Nylander, I thought, had a pretty terrible series. If I'm being honest, he was still almost a point per game player. Um, and have some big games, but I thought he did not necessarily look like himself for most of the series. I thought Achari was amazing. I think he's an like unreal add to that bottom six. I think Matthew fucking Nyes has honestly blown me away. Honestly, and I don't mean like, oh, he's going to play some elite. No, like I, I was on the unhype train with him. I just thought he was just going to be like, he'll come into lineup and just he'll just it'll be fine he'll show his age a little bit he'll show some flashes whatever like it, it hopefully he doesn't hurt us he's literally been a revelation 
he was on the ice for three straight OT winners, which is crazy, all on the road, which means that Tampa is getting the matchup they want. He hasn't scored yet. I feel like he's going to, but like he's big. He's decent for the most part defensively. Obviously, he's learning. It's playoffs. He's a key pickup to that top six because that allows you to slide somebody down like O'Reilly, which I think is the I like O'Reilly, Achari, and etc. I love that. I love that fit. I love that fit. And if you get bunting in there or something like that, like obviously we had the bunting suspension. I wasn't sure how did they get back in the lineup, and then they went the eleven and seven for game six, and it worked out. I don't think Lafferty's getting back in anytime soon, and I don't think Hall's getting back in anytime soon. Do they go 11-7 and seven again? I don't think so. I'm assuming Lilligren gets in because he has more familiar. I wouldn't mind seeing Gustafson get in, honestly, uh, because then that gives Geo time off on power play two, which I think is good for him right now. I think that's a waste of him, to be honest. You need him more defending five on five than wasting his time on the power play, uh, his time and energy as an older player on the power play especially if you want to go a couple more rounds which is now a possibility so Leafs Panthers I don't want to tee it up because it's it under the old my old leaf old leaf me would be like oh yeah they're gonna Leafs are gonna lose in five it's just gonna be they're just gonna get stomped here because they finally got it around one so we can't have anything else good and then the other part of me is like, this, they don't have to play the Bruins. What the fuck are you thinking? This is good. I'm, I mean, I'm sure the media is happy about the storyline of oh, former coach, former Leafs coach Paul Maurice, burr, 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 which is just like, okay, he never made the playoffs here. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I'm looking forward to the series for sure. There's going to be goals upon goals upon goals. I bet. Um, and I get to watch Matthew Kachuk for X amount of games and potentially Kachuk and bunting. So we'll see. I mean, I conceivably could see the Panthers win the series for sure. Could I see the Leafs winning it and making uh, a conference final for the first time since 2002, 21 years ago. I remember that one. Uh, or was it? No, that was 2002. I would want that. And then, you know, the Leafs are looking at, or Leafs or Panthers are potentially looking at the winner of the Hurricanes and whatever New York, New Jersey team comes out of there. <sighs> All right. Well, as I said before, with the Bedard lottery thing next week, I might do a podcast next week. But if you don't hear from me next week, you can safely assume that there will be one coming after the second round. Uh, this is the first time in potted pod history that the least ever won a round of the playoffs uh, and this is the fourth year of the podcast so this is the first time after round one of the playoffs that i've wanted to continue doing the playoffs or the podcast for the playoffs um so maybe next week if i do do one next week it'll only be because i'm able to get tyler on uh once we get to out of round, basically the week after, I'll look at where the games fall for round two before the conference finals. Um, and if the Leafs do end up winning, I will do my very, very best to have all Leaf fan Sean Robinson on for the round two to conference final podcast. All right. So thank you all for listening as always. And I will talk to you. I can't say next week. <laughs>